I'm the underdog with the heroic card. I'm Eric Jones Jr. I have to keep pushing for my kids. If I give up, what's that leave them with? Nothing. I have to understand that it's bigger than me. That it's not about me when I wake up and go to work. It's not about me when I'm reading and educate myself. It's not about me when I'm practicing my speeches. It's not about me. It's about my family. Hey, 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 you're now tuned in to Underdog Talk. I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart, and I have conversations with successful underdogs. And today I have Ms. Jilly Maria. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. I hope you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm tired. These, I'm telling you, I can't, spring break can't come fast enough. I can't wait. So before we get into today's conversation, today's episode is brought to you by Christian DeWine. That's me and my son's clothing line. If you use the promo code underdog talk and underdog is spelled U-N-D-D-A-W-G talk, you will get 15% off. We have t-shirts, we have sweatshirts, we have hoodies, we have the underdog official t-shirts and hoodies uh, on the website. So use the promo code. So where are you actually located? I am in central North Carolina. All right. So is it warm? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's today's, today's been in the fifties or so oh, when okay. I went out for my run, it was in the fifties. We're super yeah. colony right now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's warm for the Midwest. We, it's still cold. It's, it was 70, like a couple of days ago and it's cold. So, yeah. So <clears throat> I read your um, bio, what you sent me and talk about where you were at, what, what was life like? Where were you at emotionally um, right before, you know, you, you lost your job and life made a change for you? So when I lost my job, um, right before I lost my job, a little bit of tiny bit of background. So I was in real estate as a closing coordinator, and listing coordinator back in 2007. My entire background for like 10 or 15 years had been in new construction and real estate. And anybody that's old enough in their 30s, 40s knows that that's right around the market started to crash and is like we knew things were going sideways. And I was emotionally in a very scary place because I knew and I'll go. I, I saw this on my memories, actually, <laughs> actually, because it's right about this time. Um, the anniversary of it actually was yesterday was the anniversary of my losing my job coincidentally. And uh, so I had been driving back from doing a listing for real estate and I've been taking the pictures and doing all the things. And this was in September of 2007. And I was sitting at listening to a news break on news talk radio, just trying to you know catch up on the news and whatnot. And they said, Countrywide will no longer be able to provide home loans after December 31st without a ca massive cash injection. And if you know anything about home loans at that time, Countrywide was the biggest lender in the world. And the fact that they were about to be insolvent within three months, like my whole heart was like, <clears throat> like everything, like I was, I still get chills. Um, because it's one of those, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you've got to do something moments. And I was, you know, had to drive back to the office, load this listing by a deadline time that we'd set for the client. I did that. I took, I went back to the office, did what I needed to do and went home and updated my resume that light, that night and started applying for jobs like crazy. 
And my heart was in my throat every single day because I knew we were part of the thing with being a listing and a closing coordinator is, you know, you're not closing any houses. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we didn't even have a lot of people looking and it was very tenuous. And it was one of those, like every day I was holding my breath. It's like every day we were waiting for my, co- my coworkers, two person office, and then the two co-owners of the, of the brokerage. And at the time, all I knew how to do was I knew how to hustle and I knew how to update my resume and start applying for jobs. And when I started applying for jobs, they were just, there was nothing there. Like they were disappearing. And like every time I applied for over 1100 jobs between that day and the day I was let go, 1100, I had approximately 10 years of experience in the field. I did everything. I could run an office. I could do listings. I could do closings. I could do everything a paralegal could do except for not do the closing because I wasn't legally allowed to do it. I could do all the things in real estate except put my name as a realtor on things, access to MLS, all the things. I could do a lot of tech stuff. I could do a lot of graphic stuff. And I had three interviews. Three. And... People were telling me in the industry, like communicating with people in the industry, we didn't have the tools we have now to network, but I would talk to people and they'd be like, yeah, nobody's hiring. Like there, if anything, everybody's shutting people, everybody's letting people go. So I felt like it was coming and I had to be, you know, get ahead of it. But I remember being in this space of like, is today going to be the day I let go, get let go? is today going to be the day that I, and like, there was nothing to do as far as like financially prepping, none of it, because everything was like, you're sliding down a hill and you're grabbing grass <laughs> and there's, there was nothing. And so the day that I got let go, um, my, one of my two bosses came in the office, my boss, that my other boss didn't say anything when he left. He's like, have a good day, whatever. And, uh, but the other, one of the co-owners came in and he said, um, we're going to have to let you go. <clears throat> he goes, as you know, we're not selling any houses. We're not closing any houses. And again, I wasn't dumb. I was, you know, it was two person office with two owners. So it's four of us total and we're not getting any leads. We're not closing any houses. We're barely showing houses. Nothing is moving no matter what we do. And the feeling of defeatedness the feeling of like i went home they walked they like were like pick up your desk do all the things walked me out to my car like i was a criminal took all my Mm -hmm. stuff and that is a really scary place to be in because it flips your world upside down and you go from a space where you've given everything and at least I do. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like most of us give every, we're in the mentality to do everything we can. Like my company is your company. Your company is my company. Like this is important. If I, we're not closing houses, I don't have a job. Duh. And so I had updated my resume. I'd done all the things. And even working with a career coach was like, you can, but she's like, I don't really have anything. There's nothing really there for administrative people. You're going to probably have to shift dramatically in what you're doing. Okay. I remember going home that night and calling my mom and saying, you know, telling her I'd lost my job and being like, all I can do is now make it a part-time job (laughs) to find a job. 
but you can't find jobs that aren't there. And so I went home and I sobbed my eyes out and I had comfort food for dinner. And I don't remember what I watched on TV, but I got up the next morning and it was like, you got to find a job. And then I also started looking at, cause I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I had always wanted to, I didn't know what I was going to do at the time. <laughs> no idea. But I started looking for legitimate online jobs. And I started that day working for myself, working as an entrepreneur and uh, becoming a freelancer and doing virtual assistant stuff, like anything that people needed. And I was working for like half of what I was making, but it was something. And I was a VA, a virtual assistant long before that was a thing. I was working from home long before two or three years ago when everybody decided that everybody could possibly do it, I was doing it. And so you get to a space where I will say my faith was tested tremendously. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of people because a lot of people go, God can't possibly, if that's your belief system, whatever, insert whatever word works for you. But a lot of people around me were saying, things like, well, you know, something will turn up or they'd say things like, well, like the atheists in my life were like, see, that's just proof that, you know, if God was going to keep, you know, if God was real, this and this and this. And I was like, wow, okay. That's not how I believe at all. And so it was a huge test of my faith. It was a huge test of my tenacity and my resilience and my being able to, okay, what are you going to do to pivot? What are you going to do because you have no other option. So now when I see people go, oh, I applied for 20 jobs. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) with love. (laughs) Um, But you know, the the fact of the matter is, is one of my friends had said to me, what are your soft skills? Like, what are you good at that isn't gonna be, that's never gonna be a job title? Like organizing, managing people, managing situations, you know, getting on the phone and, you know, negotiating with people, talking people through, talking people off of, you know, off of ledges is something I'm very, very good at because you'd have homeowners that'd be calling you at five minutes to five on a Friday afternoon going, my house has been in the market for 27 days and nothing's happened and da, da, da. And you're trying to explain to them like this market is, you know, without saying the market's going to complete crap. Yeah. It is crashing fast and there's nothing any of us can do about it. You picked a horrible time to sell your house and it's tremendously overpriced. You can't say any of that. Mm-hmm. And so, but you, all these little soft skills. And so it's an opportunity to shift. And I started really relying on like, what am I good at? And so I started looking, when I started looking for jobs that I potentially wanted to do, I was looking at like when they would list what they like five things they needed. I would look at, am I good at 60% of it? Can I do at least 60% of what they need? Because the reality of the situation is, is every job ought to stretch you. Mm-hmm. And so if you can be in a space where you're like, um, I know how to do that, that, and that. I have no idea how to do that, but I'm willing to learn it. And this skill over here that I have kind of kind of translates to this, apply. So I started applying for, jo- for jobs. And here's the thing, even if you don't get the job, a lot of times if I didn't get the job, I would ask the person that was hiring for feedback. You know what, and sometimes they would, they'd be like, you're asking for too much money, or we really want someone who's already trained and can hit the ground running. 
or, you know, um, we just found someone we liked better or we want someone at that time, like a lot of the remote jobs, they wanted someone that was physically closer than I was. And so all okay, but good feedback. And I would say, never be afraid to ask for the feedback and use everything. You either win or you learn. And that's still mm -hmm. a win because you learn what, Oh, like someone had told me that I was, I came off as very harsh. Okay. Good to know. And so, don't take anything that people are saying personally because the hiring people are under just as much pressure as you are to find the right fit and if they're the if they're the owner like in my case back then the owners were looking for people for themselves so a lot of times they were in a space where they were super crunchy and uncomfortable too because they were so used to like having their office manager or someone else to push that task off on and they couldn't afford any of that like they, anybody in real estate, anybody in anything related to construction, new construction, anything at that time, which was my wheelhouse, all of that, like completely bottomed out. And so when I was looking for jobs, a lot of times it was like, or people that had never hired somebody and they were growing beyond capacity. So they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just can't do this anymore. It's not my zone of genius. So I need someone to come in and do the thing. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I can do that. So also be willing to stand in your power because you know part of the notion of an underdog is that you can't do it you won't do it the odds are against you and if you can allow yourself to be in a space of that using that as a challenge like really going hmm i bet you i can i bet you i can because that's the thing is when you rise up Every time you rise up, you get another feather in your cap, so to speak. And it also allows you to build on what you want to do. So like if your intention is not, because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I didn't feel like I had the skill set to do it, the knowledge base to do it. But then when I was in the backed into a corner, I had no other option. <laughs> Guess who's become an, becoming an entrepreneur? And so I got myself into that space. And then as I grew and started taking on more jobs and more jobs and more jobs, I started having people saying, I can't pay you this yet. I can pay you this rate and we can renegotiate in three months. Are you willing to learn this? Are you willing to learn this other thing? So like I was willing, for example, to learn HTML. I was willing to learn coding. I was willing to learn systems and link backlinks and all kinds of other things that I had no idea how to do. But if you're hungry and you show them that, I would say, okay, can we have a conversation about, um, you know, me getting a raise? Can we get a, have a conversation about me taking on more tasks? Can we take a, have a conversation about what else you need done? And even approaching, and you know, you're saying as the employee, the contractor, saying, hey, I'm hungry for more tasks. Well, I mean, that's part of how I built my reputation when I was in retail a long time ago. And then when I first came into office administration was every single day, like I didn't want to be bored. I didn't know how to be bored. So I would always say, what can I do? Teach me, teach me, teach me. So they would come up and they would, you know, I would have different, I was, when I first started in office administration, I was a receptionist. And so I sat, would come up and they'd be like, you know, all the other people from all the other departments would be grumbling. And I'd go, what are you doing? Can you, will you, will, will you show me? 
How can I help you? Can I do anything to support you? And I would always be asking questions and learning how to do things. And like, I would go stand back at the copier when the copier guy came to repair the copy machine and I'd watch him do it so that I knew how to do things. So I knew how, how, like when things got broken, they'd be like, well, this, cause here's the thing. A lot of people are going to think that, well, why would I do that? Because here's the thing. If you save your company, you watched him do it. So you know how to change the toner. You know how to change the giant toner cartridge, which costs you money if you're not, if your company's not on a plan to do it. If I can go in and I can go, hey, I can order the toner for 50% off from Office Depot versus us paying for it from the direct manufacturer, it works just as well. And I can change it. I just saved my company like $600. So all those things make you valuable. All those little tiny intrinsic things make you valuable getting intuitive in what people need, asking them, how do you like your mail open? Little weird little thing, right? But if they're in a space where you show them invoices and you show them how to do it and you do all these things, eventually they see, oh my God, she could make my life so much easier. He could make my life so much easier. I can offload this task. So they get a task off their plate and you get a skill. Win-win. So you get to be in that space every single time. And I got to a space where I just would ask more. I would ask questions. I was so inquisitive. I would ask questions. I still do. And then when I got to a space where, as a virtual assistant where I'd been doing that for, I did that straight. Just that was what I was doing full time until 2014, 2015. And I started coaching my friends and, um, I started talking to my friends and a couple of my friends were like, I want to pay you for your advice. That's how I got started in intuitive coaching. That's how. And then the more that I started getting modality certifications and doing my own work and realizing how many people had mental health and emotional health issues that they weren't like with the, the problem they were coming to me with and the problem that they actually had were two different things. And so getting to that space where, I was getting more into coaching and really just really thriving and loving it. And people were like, I'm going to pay you. Oh, okay. So I started getting paid to do that. And I did coaching and virtual assistant work until 2020. Um, and had one client left in 2020, summer of 2021, we parted ways, you know, just, he was no longer needed me. And uh, I've been, full-time only doing, um, coaching, emotion and trauma coaching since then. And, um, it's powerful to be in that space of teaching yourself to shift and knowing that I think knowing that you can, the mind game that that is, is a huge thing too, in my opinion. All right. So you said a lot there to where I think people, if they just listen, you dropped a lot of nuggets of where as an underdog, you can um, <clears throat> be a successful underdog. So one thing, uh, a couple of things that I got from it was um, you're always hungry. You're always. always, always hungry. And that's as an underdog, you always got to be hungry with me. I've always been, I'm similar to you. I've always been similar. Ask questions. I want to know how can I help you? What can I do over here to help the team rather than I don't got to be the star player. I just need to, I just need a role. If you give me a role, I'm going to do it very well. 
and then I can help my teammates. So I got that out of there. And then um, earlier you said your your faith was tested. And I remember um, when I got a divorce, everything just just everything went away. Family, you know, living in a nice suburb area, got the car, boom, gone. It's like, okay, God, um, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> Thought you had my back. And then it was like, oh, he does. Now I got to do it on my own. Now I got to put in the work for me. Now it's nobody else. I'm put in a corner. And it's like, I was born with a disability. I was put in a corner since birth. Okay, God, you going to put me in a corner? Let me figure out what can I do to get out of this corner? And that's what you said throughout the whole thing you just figured out like you just apply and i and i love what you said you you went okay hey so why didn't i get the job why always ask questions i ask questions all the time sometimes they might be dumb questions but i ask questions because like i work i'm a teacher i don't like answering emails i come to the assistant principal or she's a coach she's my hey what do you need me to do so explain it to me in simple form I audit email stuff. No, explain it to me. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's what I need to do. Now I understand. Cause if I didn't ask those questions or if I didn't explain to them how I, how I'm able to learn, then, you know, I wouldn't have a job. So like you said, you don't, you only got to know a little bit. I'm a teacher. I hated school when I was in, in, in school, I graduated with a 1.7 to two time college dropout. And I'm a teacher. Cause I know, 60%, maybe a little more. I know how to, you know, be around kids, teach them, help them in life skills. Oh, now I got to learn curriculum and this. Oh, okay. That's not that, that's not that hard. Now I'm doing what I, I guess what God has for me, because this definitely wasn't for me. This wasn't <laughs> my choice, but it's because I lost a job. And when I lost a job, like you said, long as you know enough and uh the lady she worked at or she didn't work at my she was at my church she's like uh you need a job you can be a student uh i mean a teacher assistant like okay i'm good with kids got in the door now i'm a full-time teacher because i had enough to get in the door you just got to get in the door and and, and and act like you know what you're doing like don't try to get don't get in the door and oh well i didn't learn. no you Better figure it out. You better Google, YouTube, something. Because if you get in the door and that's God's way of saying, hey, I'm giving you this opportunity. What you going to do with it? You said you wanted some more money. That's the crazy thing. I said I wanted some more money. I became a preschool teacher. I said I wanted some more money. Now I'm a kindergarten teacher. Okay, God, I, what, can I get out the school system? <laughs> that's all I want. I, I want to help the school, but I don't want to be in the school. But to what you were saying is you can't lose your faith because God always has a plan for you. Your plan ain't God's plan. You think you're going to go down this road, you're going to be this and that. Nope. Just like you said, <clears throat> as a kid, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know what the heck I was going to be doing, you know, what it looked like. But as I got older, well, it took me 30 years to figure it out. But I understood, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's something I would do even if I'm not getting paid. Sometimes people go and want to go do what their friends do or go do what's what's cool or what's hot. And that's not you. That's not your purpose. You have to figure out what your purpose is to help. Like you said, you start off with your friends. Your friends like, hold on, you so cold. Hey, I'm going to pay you. I'm going I'm to throw you a couple of dollars because they understood you wasn't doing this. Is not a hobby. It's not something you're doing to say it's cool. No, I'm trying to help your life. You're my friend. I'm going to help your life. Now I can help other people because I helped you. 
And I love that part about it because you, as you broke down a lot of different things that I can't wait for people to rewatch it and listen to of uh, the different steps. You, you save the company money. Now you're valuable. You serve any mm-hmm. job, anything you do, you serve, you help other people. And that's where you get where you're at now. When you help other people, you get stuff. When you're nice, when you uh, open the door, when you do little stuff and help people and you serve them, that happens to you. And people don't understand that. It ain't, it don't got to look pretty. It don't got to look sexy. You ain't got to be all over the internet or none of that. It's about what you do when you're helping people. Because when you help people and God see that, you're going to get blessed. So I love uh, how you broke down your story. So when you... um, it took you some years to get to being an entrepreneur and getting to where you're at. Yeah. Now where you're at, um, give me one one story, one thing that happened to you as you're on this journey that made you be like, mm, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Or did nothing like that happen to you? Oh, no, that happens about every three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually happening now as well. That it's a, it's a, it's. When you get to the space where, you know, you're not getting what you, and I always, whenever I have an idea, I always run it by a couple of my closest friends and say, Hey, you know, tell me about wording. Tell me about language. Tell me about the feeling of it. You know, what do you think, you know, how it, cause our energy leads. So if we can be in a space of like your energy is leading from a space of like, Oh my God, I don't have any money versus like, Oh my God, I want to serve. And I'm so excited to serve. Those are two different energies, mm-hmm. but we get to be in a space of one, how do I serve? And that's honestly me getting to pivot has happened so many times that I'm in a space now where I'm like, okay, it's not a question of, am I pivoting? It's a question of what does that look like? Mm. Because so often people, a lot of times we get in our ego and we get really like, we get frustrated and we get scared. And, for, and I look at, and I break it down for people. I'm like, you know, frustration is the space between where we are and where we think we should be, where we want to be, where we imagine that we would be. And so if we can be in the space of like, oh, I'm experiencing frustration. Okay. So I'm where I am. Where did I think I would be? So like, what's the pin? What's the sticky point in your situation that you're trying to get out of? Because if you can then reach into that and say, okay, so if people aren't responding to this thing and I want to serve, what does that look like? So for me, it's a matter of retooling all my programs, retooling how I reach out to people, how I connect with people. And I would say to anybody listening, if you're in a space where you are in a crossroads, at a crossroads, encouragement to one, know how to use your body pendulum. Knowing how to use your intuition is really important. We all have it. Sometimes it's known as your gut feeling um, is, a, is the first thing. And the second thing is, is listen to yourself. And like, what do you really, like, what drives you? I always ask, I always ask my clients, if you were never paid a dime to do whatever it is, doesn't matter, what would you do? What lights you up and brings you so much joy that you would do it if you never got paid a dime to do it? Now, 
that might be underwater basket weaving, in which case that's going to be your hobby or your side hustle <laughs> to do for your full-time job. But the point of it is, is that a lot of times we get stuck in our brain as opposed to, and I encourage strongly, you know, anyone to be in a space. I, I tell my clients, like, put your hands on your head and then put your hands on your heart because your mind will follow your hands. So if you're in a space where you're like, oh my God, I'm in my head and I'm overthinking or I'm in anxiety, putting your hands in your heart, your, what's going on in your heart? What's, what's going on down there? So it's distracted from overthinking. And you can break that. You can break that yourself in that cycle. Um, and another thing to do is to be in the space of: Do I need to? What I referenced earlier was your intuition, and you know, knowing. I always tell people knowing your body pendulum, and I will just walk people through this. They can do it. I won't do it here because it'll throw me. It'll throw the camera off. But what you can do is you can stand up with your shoulder, with your feet shoulder width apart, and ask your body to show you yes. For probably 95% of the population, you're going to lean forward. If you lean backward, no big deal. Your polars are your polarities are just flipped. Not the end of the world, not a big deal. And then ask your body to show you no. Again, for 95% of the population, you're going to lean backward. So then ask, asking yourself questions or making statements. Like I would say to, to calibrate it, right? So I would say things like, I'm a woman. I live in North Carolina. Um, it's March. Things like that. Those are true statements. So knowing where in my body I feel that, like, yes, that true statement. And then saying things like, I live in California. Things that are blatantly false. And just noticing where you feel that, how it feels in your body. Because when you know that yes and that no, you can use it for things like, is it in my best and highest interest to pivot completely out of teaching in your case into whatever else? And you can know in your body, like what your body want, you know, like what the truth is for you, what your soul truth is. So, and a lot of times people go, Oh, that's really woo woo. And I'm like, no, but it's really useful. It's like, if you get a gut feeling like you should or should not get on a bus or you should or should not go to this interview or like, it's not a good idea for you to leave the club right now or go or don't put that. Like one of my friends about six months ago was at a bar and she had this feeling she walked away. She'd gone to the bathroom. She came back from the bathroom. She had a feeling that something was in her drink and she went to, was about to sip it. And she's like, you know what? No. And she messaged me and said, Hey, I just did this. What, you know, what are you getting on? And I'm like, yeah, don't touch that drink. And what's going on. And, you know, saved yourself probably getting really sick. But again, using your intuition, when you're an underdog, when you're in that space of, and here's the thing, part of the underdog is our own self. Mm-hmm. We are our biggest, our, we are our big, bar none, we are our biggest challenge. We are our own biggest obstacle. And we can be in a space of, I used to do Spartan racing a long time ago, and um, I saw a lot of people with abilities special abilities, not disabilities, special abilities, racing. I saw people that were paraplegics racing. I saw people that, that were war wounded, climbing ropes and doing obstacles that they society would tell them they shouldn't be allowed to, they shouldn't Mm. be able to do. And so being in a space of how can I make this work? 
And I would tell people, listen, I know four different ways to throw a spear. I know three different ways to carry a bucket. I use only one, but I can tell you all these different ways to do the things. So it's a matter of in anything, whether it's your career, whether it's your life, no matter what it is. Again, like I said earlier, it's a matter of adaptability. It's like you were talking about earlier. It's a matter of adaptability. If someone tells you you can't do a thing, decide you can. Decide you're going to figure it out. Being in the space of like, well, you can't do that. Watch me. I had someone to, like years back when I was in retail say, you can't do that. People, someone can't do that. I'm like, okay. And I went and climb, put on gloves and, did, and climbed this razor wire fence. And I said, okay, well, here's the problem. If I can do it and I'm only five foot four, someone else can do it too. And I was trying to prove to mall management that somebody was breaking into, that was climbing and breaking into our fenced off air security storage area and stealing. And they, cause we didn't have security cameras. And I was like, well, what are the options? Cause I know it's not me. <laughs> and I know it's not my assistant and we're the only two people down here. So what gives? And so you always get the opportunity to shift and pivot and say, what else could I do? And it's like you said earlier about, you know, wanting to be a teacher and then shifting and then being in the space of like, okay, now I want to do, so I want to still be around kids or I still want to affect education. I just want to do it differently. So it comes into the space of what does that look like? And that's a good question to always ask ourselves, right? Is what does it look like? You know, being in the space of like you went through a divorce, nobody wants to get divorced, right? But we get into a space where if life happens for you, like it's going to happen to you first, but if you can shift it to a space of life is happening for me, then you get to be empowered. Then you get to be in a space like, okay. And here's the thing too. And you mentioned this is, you know, being in a space of you go through your divorce and a lot of times, anytime you go through anything, major life changing catalytic. I mean, I moved, I moved seven months ago. And so I moved to a new area where I knew nobody. Right. And so I'm getting to know new people, no, you know, re, you know, resource for myself. And it also gives us the opportunity to, like you said, you know, having someone in your church come to you and go, do you need a job? And a lot of us are in, get in shame and we get in like, oh God, I can't say that I don't have a job or I'm going through a divorce. As opposed to where you allowed yourself to be seen, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable and vulnerability is also a soft skill that is an amazing, amazing way to grow. It grows your network. It also can grow your net worth. It can also grow your skill set. Because if you're in a space where like, I don't know how to do this, like you were talking about when you get a new job opportunity and it's like, I don't know how to do this. Saying, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to learn all the things. Like, I, I have no idea how to do an HTML link. Okay, well, I've got this whole thing set up and I'll give it to you and you can try it. I learned it very quickly. So it's a matter of learning those skill sets, learning how to do it so that you shift. Because it's like you also said about, you know, being on the team. And you see people that come in and it's like, you know, like we're, we're in March, right? So we're in the, we're in about to start March madness. And it's sure. always interesting to see how basketball teams show up under pressure, like how teams play in normal play. I mean, I'm a big sports fan and seeing like how people play in the regular season in any given sport and then how they play in the pay playoffs in the postseason. A lot of times are two different conversations because people don't play well under pressure.
Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you were talking about give me a role, any role, and I will show up, I will give it 150%. And that's another thing that you can do when you're in a space where it's like, wow, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. Okay, so what can I do to show up? Show up hungry. Be in the space of one of the greatest things when I was in retail management long, a long time ago. Be in the space of willingness, of humility, and hunger. Every time that someone would come up to me and say things like, I had, had a girl that worked for me. She was 14 years old. No, 15. She was 14 and a half, was turning 15. And she worked for me and she came up to me one day and she said, my mom is telling me I'm not going to go anywhere in life. I'm always going to be a hood rat. Mm. And I said, it was like, excuse me. And she said, she was a Hispanic girl. She was very smart. She was very sharp. She was a very fast learner. And I said, do you want to be a key holder? And she was, cause she came to me and said, you know, how would I get it, go about getting a raise? And I gave her a raise, but I maxed her out. So I said, okay, I can't do anything for you here, but would you be willing to become a key holder? And I'm telling you that girl hustled. Like she was willing to learn everything, like anything I would ask her to do. Like I hate ladders with a passion. I get up, would get up on them, but I didn't like going up 15 feet in the air to change light bulbs, but I would do it because it's leadership, right? It's showing up and doing the thing. But then she was like, oh, I'll get up on the ladder. Just hold the ladder. I'll get up on the ladder and change it. Mm. Like, I'll do this. I'll. What do you need me to do? Like, everybody else would be whining and crying. And she'd be like, listen, I want to get out of here. Like, I got things to do. So we're going to be out of here by 9.15. And I'd be like, go, girl. And I would sit there, like, watch to see what she was going to like. How, okay, I'll buy. I'm buying. And it was like. She would, and this is the thing. She was managing her friends. So she had high school peers that were the same age as her that she was managing. She was their supervisor. And she'd go, listen, it's eight o'clock. I got things to do. There's the movies at the movies at nine 30. So I need y'all to hurry it up. And so she would be going, going, doing, 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 doing. And she'd be like, all I got to do is we close at nine o'clock, count the drawers, make the deposit and I'm done. And I taught her how to do everything. So all she had to do was go back, do the finished numbers, put everything in there. And I sat back and watched her do it. It's like, well, I'm like, well, she's closing. So I need to watch her do it. I'm not, not going to help her if she gets stuck. But her telling everybody else, like doing the things ahead of them and then saying, your job is to do this, this, and this. I got plans, kids. It's Friday night. And I'd be like, dang, it's impressive to see somebody have hustle. It's impressive to see somebody, especially I think now, I thought it was impressive back then, but when I see people hustling now, when I see people showing leadership now, I'm even more impressed because I know the environment that we're in where mm -hmm. people don't want to lead. They don't want to take personal responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like what you said <clears throat> about being the underdog in sports and with March Madness, because every year it's always that one team. And like you said, people don't know how to um, work under pressure, but people do know how to work under pressure. They just don't realize it. They've worked under pressure their whole life. They've got through situations. They've survived. They just don't know how to thrive. And give an example, um, my son, he's a uh, AAU team. They kind of just formed together the last three months. 
um, all the other, they go out of town and play in a tournament. So we win the first day, the older kids win the first day, killing everybody. So we play the next day. It's the championship. It's the tournament. We played the team we beat the day before. They wasn't going. It was a different ball game. We were losing with a minute left, four four points. Came back and won by one, one point um, with 14 seconds left, hit a shot. But if we weren't ready for that pressure, we would have folded. We would have folded because it's like, oh, we're going to come in and beat this team. And it was funny because I took an Uber um, over to the coach's house where the boys was at, and I was like, we had to take a different route because it was a detour. And I was like, ooh, we're going to have to take a different route today. And we did. And when you're the underdog, you have to take a different route. Your route's not going to look like everybody else, but every the crazy thing is everybody's an underdog. Everybody is an underdog. So your route's going to look different than everybody else's. Like people want to, oh, my friend do this. Your friend do that. That's their route. Your route's over here. Your route's down the street, around the corner, and you need to get on bus 32. They on bus 10. And when you're the underdog, you have to understand that if you get backed into a corner, you have to get you out. Only you. Nobody else can get you out. Like nobody, you can't depend on nobody else to get you out of your situation. If you want a miracle, you have to be the miracle and you got to just keep pushing. Like throughout this whole episode, there's this, is, you almost really was having a coaching session um, with the, with the audience. So if they listen and they take notes, Oh, they're going to get some, they're going to get some stuff that can help them. So I don't, I'm not even going to ask for tips because you gave some, but I need a quote. I need a quote. From you, a quote that you live by, a quote that you saw today, whatever, but I need a quote. A quote, gosh, there's so many. Um, hmm. I would say you know what? Vulnerability is power and allowing yourself to be vulnerable not to be mistaken with verbally vomiting your story all over everybody, but being in the space of, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm willing to learn. Or I've never done this before, but I promise you, if you hire me, I will work my tail off. Or, you know, if you're in a relationship saying something like, you know, what I hear you saying is, is that correct? And softening your voice and allowing yourself to be heard. Vulnerability is power. I, I love that. I love it because it's true. And that's me. And I like what you said. Like you can't put your, you can't be vulnerable with everybody, but being vulnerable as a speaker and as a podcast host, like that helps because sometimes people see people and have a show or just because you do something different, or you're on social media, like they think that you're different. No, we go through the same. I go through the, all the shit that everybody else in the world go through. Like I might go through some more, but I wake up every day with a smile on my face. But being vulnerable helps. Like it, it helps other people. It's not you being vulnerable to the right people, to the right audience isn't for you. It's for them because they want to see that you're human. They want to see that they're able to relate to you. So I love that. Vulnerability is power. So tell the audience how they can reach you on social media or just the internet. 
They can find me at jillymaria.com, my website, J-I-L-L-I-E-M-A-R-I-A.com. I'm also on Instagram, uh, Fire and Ice, TL Coaching. Um, they can find me on Fire and Ice Transformational Coaching on Facebook as well. Thank you. I want to say thank you because this was last minute and I I love it, Uh, especially about what you said with um, saying things that are actually true and then saying things that you kind of want to happen, see how your body moves. That's something that I needed to hear. So it's something that I'm definitely going to do. So I appreciate you um, reaching out. And the reason like the reason you were different. Everybody else, I'm interested. I'm interested. You said, hey, this is what I do. I said, oh, okay. You, you, I don't got to ask you no more questions. I see what you do. So mm-hmm. it's all about seeing if, you know, I'm able to talk and have a conversation with you, which I was. And I understood to allow you to talk because sometimes people um, teach. This show isn't always about me talking. It's about people teaching. And I learn from each guest that I have. So, again, I appreciate you. Thank you. Um for reaching out and being different than everybody else. Um, before we get out, I always ask my guests to give um, somewhat of like a closing word, uh, uh, you know, whatever you want to say before we get out of here. Don't be afraid of pivoting because honestly, every time that I've been in a space where I've been backed against a wall, every time when I've been either an underdog or I've been in a space where I was like, uh Oh, it is a huge opportunity to go into move into possibility. Allow yourself to take a breath and allow yourself to be in the space of what exciting thing is going to happen next because your body looks at fear and excitement the same way. And it's a pretty awesome thing when you stop and realize that and then you get to go, oh, Okay, how can I shift? What can I do? How can I make this work? And on that note, peace, one love.